First of all, I want to welcome any visitors that we have this morning um, to our Christmas service. Uh, this uh, probably my favorite time of the year because of all the goodies that you get, but also the uh, fact that we're reminded that, that uh, Christ came here and was born of a virgin and lived a sinless life, and ultimately he came to uh, be our salvation. But I want to welcome our visitors uh, and encourage you all that, um, no, I am not Pastor Jim. And um, there's a lot more of me than there is of him, but I uh, uh, want to encourage you guys to come back and hear him preach. He uh, is a great communicator of God's Word. Um, we here at Grace Baptist are extremely blessed to have him as our pastor. Um, he opens the Word every Sunday and just uh, uh, preaches what God has. And, and um, I think my favorite thing about it is he does it unashamedly. Um, he, he knows right where, uh, where we are, and he uses God's word to communicate those things to us. And uh, again, visitors, I would greatly encourage you to come back. In that same sentence, though, I also need to apologize because I am not him. So uh, I'm not so sure I am a great communicator, but we'll find out. Um, uh, this leading up to today, I was asked... Since Pastor, I think he asked me on Tuesday if I would cover on Wednesday night. And I said, hey, no problem. I'd be glad to do that. And he wasn't feeling well. And so um, I already basically had something ready, but we didn't have church Wednesday. And so I thought, dodge that bullet. So then he he texts me, I think it was Friday or Saturday, or no, it was Friday. And he said, hey, can you cover Sunday school for me? I'm like, well... All right, I guess that's that's not too bad. I've got something basically. Well, and I should say I stopped studying what I had been doing, so I had like half of it done. So I thought, well, I better finish it up. And then Saturday night or Friday night, I get a call at 10:30 at night, and lo and behold, what was going to be Wednesday and then Sunday morning is now right now. So um, anyhow, it, it's it's kind of funny. I was talking to Pastor and. and that great cinema, uh, that great Christian cinematic golden gem, Bull Durham. I'm reminded of a, a scene in that where you got the uh, Kevin Costner's uh, character is, uh, I think his name's Crash Davis, and he's the grisly, you know, wily old veteran who's breaking down physically, and but he's just got all kinds of wisdom and knowledge. That he's trying to uh, impart to this young, fireball, crazy armed rookie who pretty immature, lots of potential, but you just never know where this guy's going. Well, Pastor Jim's the broken down, wily old vet, and I'm the I'm the fireballer who has like no maturity whatsoever. There's, there's no telling what's going to come out of my mouth, but lots of potential. And I, the one the one thing that that uh, I can remember he te- crashed telling uh, Nuke. He said when Nuke got the call to go to the majors, you know, I got called to the show now, of course. He said, "Don't screw it up, kid." And so I have Pastor Jim in the back of my mind going, don't screw it up, kid. So I'm going to do the best I can. Um, And actually, when he said something, I I was asked if I would would do the message on Sunday morning. I was thinking, hey, there's I got two good reasons to do this. I'm thinking, you know, I can I can do this. Every time we have a guest speaker, he gets two things. He gets a love offering and he gets lunch. (laughs) So I was getting kind of nervous. Early on, I'm sitting in here, I was like, there's nobody here. And there's like, where is there? My, my love offering is going to be awful. So now that I see all you guys here, I, this is going to be a good Christmas. So uh, we'll pass those around, the plates back around toward the end. We'll see how it goes. So 
But uh, all jokes aside, because yeah, I think honestly I spent more time trying to come up with stupid things to say to begin with than I actually did the message, but hopefully it, it comes across well. But it really is an honor to, to be asked to, uh, to speak to you guys today. Um, you know, everybody joking this morning, first of all, that I'm wearing a tie, which I might as well have a noose around my neck. Uh, and then, you know, they were joking about that. It must be a special occasion. Ha ha ha. Funny. And then, um, then it was all the jokes. Once everybody found out that I was the one speaking, then 15 people came up and then started calling me pastor Wade. I'm like, could you imagine that church? If I was the pastor, there'd be like seven people. Um, but anyhow, man, that wouldn't be my family. So, um, but I really am honored that, that I was asked to do this. It, it really is a privilege. And I mean, there, again, all jokes aside, there, there is, uh, um, even though he's got little feet, there's big shoes to fill, uh, with one pastor, uh, because this is a pulpit that the truth comes from. And I want to make sure that anything I say, number one, brings honor and glory to the Lord. Number two is something that can be useful for you guys. But three, that it shows respect for my pastor because, uh, um, you know, I cut on him a lot and I joke with him a lot. But, man, he is a great man of God. He's a great friend. And I want to make sure that uh, uh, he knows how much I respect him. So um, let's go ahead and let's have a word of prayer and we'll get we'll dive in. Father, we thank you so much for this day. We thank you for this place that we can come and we can meet, Lord. We can open your word. We, we thank you for our pastor and for his family. We just pray that you be with them, help them to feel better, help them to recuperate. Uh, Lord, I just ask that you be with me. Give me clarity of thought. Give me focus uh, as I, as I uh, open your word, Lord. And I, um, I, I just thank you so much for the opportunity, but I also thank you for these people that are here uh, give us a good day this morning and uh, bless those that are bless the things that are said and uh, again to bring honor and glory to you in Jesus name. Amen. Now, I, I noticed when I was taking my stuff out of my folder, some of you guys were like, wow, that's a lot of notes. Uh, we're going to be here forever. Actually, it's not. The I had to use gigantic font because I can't hardly see. So really, there's like 15 pages, but it's only about 10 minutes of material. So we'll be good to go. Actually, I can, I can see everything from here. So uh, open your Bibles, if you would, to uh, Ephesians. We're going we're gonna to be bouncing all over the place. Uh, the title of my message, and, and actually to take a step back real quick, when I was, when Pastor asked me to do Wednesday, I was uh, at school, at work, and at the middle school, if you guys didn't know, we had such a high amount of people getting quarantined that they closed Sydney Middle School this week. We still had to report to work. But we didn't have any kids, so we were doing some things. And so he asked me, I said, well, this is a great time to actually get started looking at something. But I didn't have my my Bible at school, but I had my phone. But then I realized, oh, I've got one of my old, I have one of my old Bibles in my desk drawer. And so I got it out and I started flipping through some things, trying to figure, you know, what, did I cover something that I've done in Sunday school with Epic or this and that? And so knowing that it was Christmas, but, you know, I, I, I you, you can almost tie anything to Christmas, and it, obviously in God's Word, but um, I actually looked at the the very back of my book, or my Bible, and there was, I had sermon notes from a, a sermon that Pastor Jim preached. Now, what's good is, I know, looking around, I don't think any of you were here then, but it was from February 11th, 1997. So, I can plagiarize the whole thing, and none of you will even know it. Because, like I said, most of you weren't here, and those of you the word, you can't remember that long ago anyhow. So, 
But I was looking through it, and um, I thought, man, this is this is really almost perfect for for what I, I was one the length of it, but also the subject matter. The only problem is I didn't have hardly any scripture references that I had. You know, I must have been not paying enough attention to write some things down, just not enough to keep up with the references. So. I used that as kind of the framework of, of this message, but I had to go back through and find all this a bunch of scripture references to go with it. So I, I, I told pastor that, that, hey man, I pulled this way out of the, the archives. And so we were kind of laughing. I said, yeah, and I checked through to make sure, you know, cause he, he, I think he even said it was one of the very first ones he would have preached. So I told him, I, you know, I went back and checked to make sure he hadn't said anything wrong. So we're good to go. <laughs> So, but the title of this is, Why is Salvation So Good? And um, what an awesome and important truth for us as, as believers. Um, and at this time of year, Christmas time, it's a great reminder also for us uh, the importance of salvation. And uh, again, not just, I mean, if we could, we could quickly say, um, thank, thank God for, for Christ and coming and being born of a virgin, living a sinless life dying on the cross, rising again from the, from the dead, proving he's God. Amen. Let's go home. That's a great, you know, salvation is great because we get to go to heaven, but not only that, but there's some things, some particular elements about it that make it so much better for us. And when we look at those particular things, again, I've got five basic points and I don't think anybody's going to hear anything this morning that you've never heard before. Um, but I, I, it's a, it's a great reminder for us. And again, I said there's 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 just five points that I want to look at. Uh, so let's dive in here and buckle up because there's no telling where this is going. So um, I am the king of rabbit trails. So I, <laughs> what's good is I did number my my pages. So I thought it'd be terrible if I got up here and in my introduction I said and in closing, whoops, that's the last page. I better put get those back in order. So uh, number one, there's five things. The first thing is. Why is salvation so good? Number one, because of its divine author. Uh, salvation begins with God. God is the author of our salvation. It, uh, if a perfect holy God makes a way for us to be saved, then the way for salvation will be perfect and holy as well. We see that through, through God being the author, and, I, and I've got, I mentioned I've got a lot of verses, so I'm not gonna, we're not gonna jump around to all of them, we'll be here forever flipping pages. I've got a few things that I'll have you guys follow along with. But I've written a lot of these things down in my notes. Um, but I said, God is righteous and holy. Christ was, uh, was and is sinless and perfect. So salvation is perfect and complete. The Bible says in John chapter 19, verse 30, this is when Christ is on the cross. It says, when Jesus therefore had received the vinegar, he said, it is finished. Bowed his head and gave up the ghost. Salvation was settled and finished and now we have a means by which we can be saved. What's awesome is we, we, when you see that when he says it is finished, it's not that the day is finished or his finally he's, he's finished on the cross. or No, it's the fact that salvation is finished. God's plan was finished right there with what Christ did for us on the cross. And so um, the, God was the author of that. He is the one that, that he, he sends Christ to die for us. He sends him to, to be born of a virgin. And again, as, and we've heard the Christmas story over and over and over and over to a point where I don't think we really think about how, for me, the, kind of how weird it is, I guess, and how, how 
um, indescribable, I guess it is. The fact that he sends his son is, is amazing to begin with. It's one thing to sacrifice yourself for somebody or sacrifice yourself for a, for a cause, but to sacrifice your son for that cause. And then the means in which he did it. He could have, you know, it, it, in, in my mind, you know, I started thinking, well, there seems to me like there could have been easier ways for him to do this. But the fact that he sends him, he sends him to be born of a virgin, which is a miraculous thing in the first place. Then he has to live a sinless life, tempted by all means, you know, this, that, and the other. And then to go through the suffering and the, the, the humiliation of, of, of his crucifixion, all of that is, is, it's sometimes hard for me to wrap my head around because we've just heard it so many times. But number one, like I said, God is, or he is the author but also, this is the cool thing, the cool part to what I was, I, I was from this first point that I liked. In Ephesians chapter 1, you guys, did I tell you to turn to Ephesians? Ephesians chapter 1, and don't make, don't make fun of my, my notes I have, my post-it notes, because if you're like me, you've got that one book of the Bible you can never find. So mine is Hebrews. I don't even know where it's, I can't ever find it ever. So I made sure I had notes so I wasn't trying to flip through pages. So I made sure in all these notes, there's not one verse from Hebrews because I don't know where it's at. So, <clears throat> but I know where Ephesians is. Ephesians chapter one, look at verses three through six. Blessed be the God and the father of our Lord Jesus Christ. He hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. According, <clears throat> excuse me, as according, he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world that he should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestined, or predestinated us unto the adoption of the children of Jesus Christ to himself according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he hath made us accepted in the beloved. The second part underneath this, the, the, the divine author is that God's knowledge and his his knowledge was immediate and previous. What I mean by that is he knew from the very beginning, or not even the beginning, from it says from the foundations of the earth, he knew we were going to need a savior. And that again, that in my mind is like, then why did he create us? You know, kind of a thing. But but he um, the the fact of the matter is, look in that in verse in verse four, the key phrase in that is before the foundation of the world. In verse 5, it says he predestinated us for the adoption. I looked up the, the definition for predestinated. Webster's 18.28 says predestinated means predetermined, foreordained, or decreed. God had predetermined a way for us to be saved before he ever put breath in Adam. That is mind-boggling to me. That before the foundations of the earth, before that before we ever came about, he already had a way for which for us to be saved. Um, look at Titus real quick. Titus chapter 1. Titus chapter 1, verse 1 through 3. <clears throat> Titus 1, it's in verse 1 it says, Paul, the servant of God... And an apostle of Jesus Christ, according to the faith of God's elect, the acknowledging of the truth, which is after godliness, in hope of eternal life, which God that cannot lie promised before the world began, 
But he hath in due times manifested his word through the preaching which is committed unto me according to the commandments of God our Savior. In Titus chapter 1 there it says, In the hope of eternal life which God that cannot lie promised before the world began. So, so God's knowledge was previous. So he, he already knew we were going to need a salvation. So number one, he was the author, our divine author. Number two in this. Because of the price, why, why is salvation so good? Number two, because of the price that was paid. Like I mentioned earlier, it's one thing for us to sacrifice yourself for a person or for a cause. But to sacrifice your son for a person or for a cause is, uh, it's, it's just amazing to me. We know in John three sixteen, you know, Christ is called God's only begotten son. Uh, and so we, that begotten, only begotten, puts an extra twist on just the importance of Jesus Christ. He was the only one. Um, Look at Romans chapter 5 real quick. Romans chapter 5, verses 6 through 8, again mentions, and this is dealing with the, the price paid and the importance of that price paid. Oops, sorry. Romans chapter 5. I would need a much taller pulpit. Maybe I can just get down here where he's at. And then we can. I'm looking down so much. That's why I think I'm breathing into my microphone. Romans chapter 5 verses uh, 6 through 8. Again, pretty familiar voice or voice. Familiar verse for a lot of us. It says uh, in verse 6. It says, for when we were yet without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. It says, for, scarce, for scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet peradventure for a good man some would even dare to die. But God commendeth, in other words, proved his love toward us that while we, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So there is the, the point <coughs> excuse me, that, I'm try, that we're saying is the price paid was not just, it wasn't a fee, it wasn't a fine, it wasn't, uh, you know, I'm, I used to teach history. And, you know, we, all of the fun stuff where you're talking about the human sacrifice and things like that. It wasn't just any old human sacrifice. This was the Son of God. This was Jesus Christ who, who left heaven and came down here to, to save us. Uh, verse 6, it says, For when we were yet without strength, in due time Christ died. In verse 7, it says, For scarcely for a righteous man will one die. Yet peradventure for a good man, some even dare to die. So it's the, the, the verse is saying, you know, maybe one per, maybe someone may die for one good guy. And or maybe several will die for a good man. This is and the point being here is that Christ died for everyone. And so we have in verse eight says, but God commendeth or showed his love toward us that while we were yet sinners, Christ died. So here we hear it's Christ died. Christ died in Romans 14, nine. It uh, says, for to this end, Christ both died and rose and revived, yet he might be Lord both of the dead and living. Again, it's the price paid. It was Christ that was, our, that was the price that was paid. In 1 Corinthians fifteen three, For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. You know, we, 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 a lot of times we focus on the fact of, of the death, which obviously was horrible enough, but I think sometimes when we think of 
Christ's sacrifice, we kind of glance over or we forget the beating, the hitting, the spitting, the humiliation, everything that he had to endure before he even got to the cross. And then the horrible thought of being nailed, having nails driven into your hands, into your feet, to get to the point of where he actually says it is finished. So the fact is we have the divine authority, the divine author, the price paid, and then number three, because of its universality. No, it's a big word. I didn't come up with that one. That just means everybody. Salvation is for everyone because everyone needs it. We don't see anywhere in Scripture when it talks about, like, and, and I'll just kind of give you a, well, actually, turn to First Timothy. We'll, we'll, we'll read this one together. First Timothy chapter 2. You know, we hear Pastor Jim say all the time, all means all, and that's all that all means. It's the same thing here with salvation. We all need it. Salvation was not just, uh, Christ didn't make a way for some of us to be saved, or a handful of people to be saved, or only that group of people to be saved. It is for all of us. In 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 through 6, it says, I exhort, therefore, that first of all, supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks he made for all men, for kings and for all that are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our our Savior. Look at verse 4 now. It says, Who will have all men to be saved and come to unto the knowledge of the truth? For there is one God and one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. And then look here at verse 6. Who gave himself, that ties back into the price paid that was Christ. He's the one who gave himself, look at the last part, to be a ransom for all to be testified in due time. Christ paid the price, but also he paid it for all of us. He was the ransom, the payment for all of us. Verse 1, it says all men. Verse 2, all in authority. Verse 4, have all men to be saved. Verse 6, ransom for all. So we hear this over and over and over. And just like, again, we hear this too, and I'll probably mention it later on in, in, in my notes here. Again, Pastor Jim always mentions too, what's repetition? It's God's volume control, right? So he's emphasizing this point of all, 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 all. We all need to be saved. And he died for all of us. Romans 3.10 says, as it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. So we have those, those, those words that incorporate all of us, such as all or none, meaning that there's everyone. Romans 3.23, a very familiar verse to all of us. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There's that all again. Again, there's no disclaimer or any other types of words that, that give the impression that anybody is safe and that, that there's any group of people or any particular person who doesn't need salvation. We all need that. And thanks to the penalty that Christ paid, or, or the price that he paid, it is now available to all of us. And this is, I, I think of the five points, this is the one that I, I spent the most on, most time, but also that makes me feel the best, I guess, if you want to say. And that is point number four. Why is salvation so good? Because of its eternal duration. There is no 
limit or, or no time limit on on Christ uh, his payment that he that he made for us his sacrifice there is no time limit on how long we get to be saved could you imagine the stress that uh, that, that would that would be a part of uh, being a part of a, a, a religion I guess if you want to put it that way that you know we think of when these little kids get saved in in Awana it is so awesome because that's the that's that it's a one and done deal one time and isn't it awesome that they get saved when they're when they're young and then they have their whole entire life to serve the Lord but it's just as precious when an older person an elderly person gets saved too it's 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 a precious soul one way or the other but the fact of the matter is those little kids when they get saved they don't have to redo that when they hit 10 years old they don't have to have a redo when they hit 20 it's 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 a one time Christ penalty was good was was perfect and it paid it and he like I said before he finished it it's a one time thing with uh I looked up again in Webster's um let me take a step back there's two words that we see a lot in in uh in the verses that I I chose to use here again none of them from Hebrews uh eternal and everlasting eternal and everlasting and they have almost the exact same definition, and you'll find that those words are in each other's definitions. The Webster's 1828 said about eternal, it says, without end of existence or duration, everlasting, endless, and here's my favorite word, immortal. Without existence or, or uh, without end of existence or duration, everlasting, endless, immortal. In Isaiah, way back in the Old Testament, in Isaiah chapter 45, verse 17, it's called the everlasting salvation. It lasts forever. What Christ did, again, I keep I keep referring in my head, it's finished. It's finished. He declared it himself that it was finished. Uh, in the last part of the verse, uh, in uh, 2 Timothy, verse two, uh, or chapter 2, verse 10, in the last part of the verse, he uses, God uses a, a, the word eternal. It says that they might obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus. There's our, our, our penalty, our uh, price paid with eternal glory. We're all familiar with John three sixteen. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son that whosoever, that's one of those words that encompasses all of us, believeth on him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. That everlasting, eternal, and that idea of the shall not perish, there's the there's that immortal or immortal. We look at then, excuse me, salvation's duration is everlasting. There's a whole bunch of verses. I'm just going to tell you the, the references. We won't read them all. John 3, 16, John 3, 30, 36, John 4, 14, John 5, 24, John 6, 27, 6, 40, and 6, 47 refers to it as everlasting. There's that God, there's that volume control again. Repetition, boom, boom, boom. It's everlasting. I am extremely confident that God was trying to make a point that salvation is everlasting. It's described again as everlasting and eternal. Salvation's duration is eternal. Remember the refer, the, 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 the definition again. Without end of existence or duration, everlasting, endless, and immortal. Some verses that we'll look here real quick that refer to it as eternal. John 3.15 states, we're, we're so used to John 3.16, but the verse right before that, John 3.15 says, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Again, there's the eternal, you have the immortal, 
The same description of eternal is in John 4:36, 539, 654, and, and, uh, or, and then also in verse 68. Look at John 10:28 real quick. I got to be careful because some of my pages are about to. If I turn my pages too quick, I'll end up losing two or three chapters at a time here. I think Stace and I have been talking about getting our Bibles rebound for the last 10 years, and we've never done it yet. I guess we will once we lose, like, all of maybe Hebrews. <clears throat> so, John 10, 28. Uh, John chapter 10, verse 28. Let me find it here. Again, a, a, uh, uh, a great verse for eternal security, which obviously that goes right along with everlasting and eternal, a verse that we're familiar with. Verse 28 says, and I give unto them eternal life and they shall never perish. Immortal, everlasting. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. No man can pluck them out of my hand. It's just that extra confidence. Not only am I going to give you eternal life, but you're right here. You're in, you're in God's hand and nobody's going to pry that hand open. Nobody's going to take you away from God and, and remove that salvation for you. I, I have this, I, I, I meant to say earlier on that, you know, not only did I make the reference of Bull Durham, but the, when I was talking to Ty down here, we're thinking, man, he's, pastor's got to hurry up and get better. I mean, we're, we're running out of people to, to fill in for him. I told him, I said, man, the bullpen is getting worked. And I thought, you know, I'm that guy in the bullpen that every every team's got who you never want to see him come out of the bullpen, but when he does, you just hope he throws strikes, you know? And so I'm, I'm, that, I'm, I'm sitting there thinking, man, just throw some strikes. Just throw some strikes. Because like I said, he's just chewing up, and, you know, they're either down by 15 or 16 when he comes in or when they're up by a lot because they just, this, you know, he's, you just want him to throw strikes. So another reference to baseball, there is no asterisk by any of these verses. What I mean by that is there is no unwritten or written condition that voids salvation's duration. What I mean by that is think of my, if I say Barry Bonds, most of the guys immediately know he hit a lot of home runs and he took a lot of steroids. He has an asterisk by his name in the, in the uh, record books because of his drug use. So it kind of it diminishes what he, was, what he did on the field. It kind of diminishes the fact that he hit all of those home runs. We don't have an asterisk beside God's everlasting and eternal salvation. There's nothing that's going to null and void that. There's nothing that's going to diminish what Christ did for us on the cross. There's nothing that's going to make that less than what it is. It's eternal and it's everlasting. We cannot void that out. The duration is eternal. Um, and what I mean, you know, a, a, a particular um, uh, condition might be, well, you know, you're good, you're saved for your entire life. You have God's everlasting salvation until you commit this particular sin or until you commit five or 10 sins. There is nothing that will diminish or nullify or limit God's eternal salvation for us. And then lastly, number five is because why is salvation so good? Because it came to us personified. I got to take a drink. Hold on here. 
I asked Justin, I said, is there water up there? He goes, yeah, there's six bottles. I'm like, man, we don't want me drinking six bottles of water. We'll be here forever. All right, it says salvation was personified in Jesus Christ. Number five, because it became to us, it came to us personified. Salvation is personified in Jesus Christ. It's awesome to hear when the, in, in the scriptures, the New Testament, when the, the, the disciples or the apostles are writing things down and, and describing Christ and the things that he did and speaking about Christ's, um, his, you know, his part of the Godhead and his, his sacrifice and all that. But sometimes it's, it's good to actually hear what Christ says about himself. Um, and he describes himself the best, or he describes this the best, this idea of him that, that salvation is personified in him. When he was speaking to Thomas in John chapter 14, in, in verse 6, he says, it says, Jesus saith unto him, him being Thomas, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. He is that person of salvation. He is the personification of salvation. He, he is saying of himself, there's nothing else or there's nobody else that is the way, the truth, and the life. I am, as he says, he's speaking of himself. Look, uh, quickly, ch- uh, turn to uh, Acts chapter 4. In Acts chapter 4, again, showing that Christ is the personification of our salvation and that he is the object of the salvation. In uh, chapter 4, in verses 10 through 12, Acts chapter 4, verses 10 through 12, it says, uh, Be it known unto you all and to the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom ye crucified, whom God raised from the dead, even by him doth this man stand here before you whole. This is the stone which was set at naught of you builders, which has become the head of the corner. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men, whereby ye must be saved. This verse, again, makes it very exclusive of how we get salvation or how we were provided salvation or what means that we were given. It, it says through the verse 10, it says by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom ye crucified. He doesn't just say it's because of Jesus or because of Jesus Christ or Jesus Christ of Nazareth. He goes on. And it says the one you crucified, the one that God raised from to make no mistake. He's the one you crucified. He's the one that God raised from the dead. He's the one that stands here in front of you whole. He's the one that the, the, the stone that was rejected. He, I mean, very, very specific. There's no question about who is being spoke of here. It's talking about the, the son of God, Jesus Christ. He is again, the way, the truth and the life, but he is the way. And it says there in verse 12, neither is there salvation in any other, any other for, uh, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby ye must be saved. Again, ex- extremely exclusive, very specific. And uh, again, Jesus speaking of himself in John chapter 6, verses 47 through 48. I'll just read it for you. It says, verily, verily, this is him again speaking about himself. 
Not someone speaking about him. This is Christ speaking about himself again. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me hath everlasting life. I am the bread of life. Unless you sin ten times. That's not what it says. Again, there's that everlasting. So in that in those two verses, we have, not only do we have the, the duration with the everlasting, we have the personification of Christ in that verse. All of those things are in those two particular verses that you believe on me and you'll have everlasting life. Jesus Christ is the personification of our salvation. He is the object. We have a personal salvation because of Jesus Christ. We don't, we don't have 10 steps to heaven or 10, the 10, uh, uh, bullet points that we have to follow to, to, to get to heaven. He did all of that for us. Christ died on the cross for us. He made that way. He is our personal savior. He is the, the person of salvation. In closing, it is always good. You know, I, I, again, this is the idea this was Christmas and, you know, I, I, do we talk about the, you know, uh, the angels singing? Do we talk about Mary and Joseph and the baby in the manger? I think talking about salvation is probably the most, one of the most important things we can discuss at Christmas time. Um, because everything that happened in that, that time or everything that happened that brought Christ to here and everything he did from the time he was born of a virgin until the time that he died on the cross and then he rose again the third day. All of that is the theme of Christmas. He came, yes, he came, but ultimately he came because he came to, to provide us with that salvation. It says it's great for us to be reminded as, as believers uh, that our, it says it, it's always good for the believer to be reminded how good our salvation really is. During this Christmas time, we need to be mindful of what Christ's purpose was for coming to the earth, and that was he came to ultimately to save us. Um, as believers, again, it, we hear all these things, and you know, I, there probably wasn't anything other than some of my fantastic jokes that you haven't heard before, but uh, it, it's, I'm sure it was nothing new, but it's a great reminder for us. What if you don't know Christ as your Savior? If you don't know Christ as your Savior, what more of an awesome time to get saved than at Christmas time? What, what is, I mean, every time is great, but I mean, we're here at Christmas time, we're, we're confronted with why he came in the first place. You know, all we have to, 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 to I've been talking about salvation, the duration, how long it takes, and God is the author, and Christ paid the price. Well, maybe that is the first time you've ever heard that. Um, if you don't know Christ as your Savior, what an awesome time to come to him and ask him to save you. Um, all we have to do is acknowledge that Christ was born of a virgin, lived a sinless life, died on the cross, was buried and rose again the third day, proving he is God according to the scriptures. There's no greater Christmas gift than salvation. Today is the, 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 the best day to think about accepting Christ as your Savior. It's, it's, it's just a gift. All you have to do is receive it. We know all about gifts on Christmas, but this is this is a gift that, as Clark Griswold or as Cousin Eddie says, it's the gift that keeps on giving all year long. Um, Christ died for us because God, or God made a way for us to be saved. Christ finished that. Christ, the, the duration is forever. 
The duration is everlasting. It is eternal. We have Christ as the personification of our salvation. If you don't know Christ today as your Savior, please come and see, either see me, see one of the deacons after the service, and we would love to show you how to be saved. Um, pastor says it a lot of times that what an awesome thing, especially for, for older people, that for them to, to give that gift to their kids of knowing where they're going to spend eternity, knowing that you know they're going to spend eternity together. So um, I would encourage any, each and every one of you, if, if you're not saved, if you don't know Christ as your Savior, please come ask one of us. Um, and we, that would be the, the coolest thing we could do for, at Christmas time is take the Word of God and show you how to be saved. So uh, with that, Justin, why don't you come on up and close us out, my friend.